Well, hi, and welcome back uh, to another episode of Pastor's Podcast. I am Bob, joined here with Matt and Todd. Uh, We're coming to you from Comstock Park, Michigan, uh, Maranatha Bible Church. And we are uh, just continuing our series uh, as we've been going through, looking at common issues which plague every believer. Uh, And this week, uh, we're going to talk about a very broad topic, um, but one that I think is uh, subtle and uh, probably grips a lot of people's hearts, even unknowingly perhaps, and that's worldliness. Uh, so to be worldly. Um, and so we want to look at that as, uh, we're, we're going to look at a little bit of what the sin looks like, but then also what what is worldliness and how we get drawn into it. Um, so we're going to take some extra time. Usually we kind of define it and move kind of more into the application end, but I think it's very important to really nail down a definition here, looking at it from a biblical perspective, and then what are some of the issues that come from it. So let's start there. Um, I'm going to read 2 Timothy 4.10. I think that was brought up in our discussion. And so what we're talking about here is, as Paul's uh, writing back to Timothy, um, and he says, make every, every effort to come to me soon. And he says in verse 10, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me, gone to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, so on and so forth. And so we see that that love of the world caused Demas to forsake or to abandon um, uh, Paul there. And so we want to talk about that. What is that love? What is that thing that that draws believers to make that kind of a decision? So let's define this first. So let's talk about that. Uh, well, we have a little book here entitled Worldliness. And, um, how handy. <laughs> how handy is that? Can I just read a little yeah, bit? Because I think it's super helpful. The world we're not to love is the organized system of human civilization that is actively hostile to God and alienated from God. Uh, the world God forbids us to love is the fallen world. So we have to first define what world is. There's many definitions of world throughout the New Testament. It can right. refer to people, it can refer to the created realm, system, uh, system. Mm-hmm. and really what we're getting at here mm-hmm. is that the scriptures, the New Testament particularly, talks about the world's system that we are not to love. So uh, this book goes on to define worldliness. Worldliness then is a love for this fallen world. It's loving the values and pursuits of the world that stand opposed to God. More specifically, it is to gratify and exalt oneself to the exclusion of God. Hmm. So uh, this writer says that worldliness is a love for this fallen world. So if we were to start defining what the world is in terms of its thinking, its values, its passions, its longings, everything that the world stands for that is essentially opposed to God, um, that entire way of thinking, that secular ideology, that system that is uh, in standing in complete contrast to what God stands for, that is worldliness. When we love those things, when we're attracted to those things, when we find ourselves uh, captivated by the things that are opposed to God, then we are falling into the seductive uh, desire for worldliness. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, First John 2 really is just kind of an explanation of what you just said. First yeah. off, the fact that it's opposed to the things of God, and he uses the, the term world, cosmos, but it's, it's that third meaning. It's that the system, the ideologies of the world. So it's not, you know, talking about don't, don't love people or don't love the created 
realm, you know, of of the world. But he says, no, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is First John two fifteen and sixteen. Then in, uh, in verse sixteen, we really see a description uh, of a few of these things. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. So that's really kind of those those banner statements of of the worldly system and all the the motives, the things driving the world that we're called to stay away from. Yeah, it's interesting you said motives. So I think uh, we read First John 2 and we automatically say, look, I don't do those things, right? Look at those things, boastful pride of life, uh, you know, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. And you say, I'm not committing adultery. I'm not looking at pornography. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not doing those things. I'm not a, an overly prideful person, um, if that's even a phrase. And so, you know, I think uh, oftentimes we forget that this actually, what we're talking about is getting down to the motives, as you said, of the heart. And so the things that we're doing, and this is why it's so seductive, is the things that we're doing can look good on the outside, but they could be chalked full of the worldly desires that are driving what we're doing, right? Yeah, or another way to say what you're saying is John, in 1 John 2.15, doesn't say, do not love the world nor the things of the world. Uh, and then verse 16, for all that is in the world. And then he doesn't, he doesn't go on to say, and don't watch movies. Right. And don't go to dances and right. don't play poker. He doesn't give a list of behaviors. That's right. He uses language that captures the heart. So that's exactly what you're referring to, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. He is targeting the heart. He is going after the issues that reside in our heart. So when we talk about worldliness, we're not interested so much in putting together a list of behaviors that are off limits and those that are you know, acceptable. I mean, that's true. There is an element in which there mm-hmm. are behaviors that are sinful. And, mm-hmm. But John's point here is really going after the heart. And so he's essentially defining worldliness as something that begins in the heart. That's, right. That's where he targets the, this admonition to not engage in this sinful thing. So that's the concern. It's not just, are you doing this or not doing this? It's what, what's, what's driving you? What, what motivates you? What do you crave? What do you want more than anything else? And then you're talking about motives and passions, which yeah. is where worldliness resides. Yeah, because you could be doing, you could have your checkbox of, you know, I'm not doing this or this or this or this, but in your heart, you're desiring all these things, but exactly. hey, I'm not doing it, so what does it matter? Uh, but in your heart, you're you're lusting after worldly desires, and then that's still an issue. Exactly. Yeah, and it's something we don't like to talk about these days, our motives, and uh, because when you start digging down to the heart, you know, you think of the, the Sermon on the Mount, like Jesus just hits hard the heart issues, right? So it's not even so much what you're doing, though that's true, um, but it has so much more to do with what's the motive behind it. Because here's the, here's the flip side. If John were to say, okay, here's a list of worldly things, our sinful fallen minds would say, I'm not doing those things. Right. That's why like when you look at Ephesians, when Paul says, do not get drunk with wine. And if you only say, hey, this only pertains to wine, the guy in the back's like, I get drunk on whiskey. 
So I don't even touch wine, so I'm good. Yeah, right? or I get high on drugs. Or I get high on mm -hmm. drugs, whatever that is. And so we have this tendency to look for loopholes in order to allow our sin to not be sinful. But meanwhile, when you look at passages like this, they're saying, no, what is your heart desiring? Mm -hmm. And that's the driving force behind why you're doing what you're doing. And that's a hard pill to swallow because we could be doing some good things, if you will, but they could be with a completely wrong heart and therefore full of worldly ideology. Yeah, and then you see, I mean, really why, why is this language here so, so deadly to us as believers? Well, if you compare that to Ephesians 2, right, and how he compares or how he describes unbelievers in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, it's those who indulge in the desires of their flesh and of their mind, and we're by nature children of wrath. So why, why should we be fleeing from these things? Because these are things that characterize unbelievers. Exactly. So they have no place in the life of a believer. We're called to flee those things. Those are we, we have died to those things, and now we're alive in Christ. Can I read another quote here? Because it goes right along with <laughs> no. what you just said. No. I'm going to anyway. <laughs> Ian Murray says this, Worldliness is departing from God. It is a man-centered way of thinking. It proposes objectives which demand no radical breach with man's fallen nature. It judges the importance of things by the present and material results. It weighs success by numbers. It covets human esteem and wants no unpopularity. It knows no truth for which it is worth suffering. It declines to be a fool for Christ's sake. Worldliness is the mindset of the unregenerate. It adopts idols and is at war with God. That's exactly what you just said, Matt, mm -hmm. that worldliness is essentially the mindset of the unregenerate. So for us as believers, we want nothing to do with the world system because that's not us anymore. Mm. We're not of this world. <clears throat> We're in this world. We're not of this world. Yeah. So it's exactly what you're getting at. Yeah, and you can see that played out. Uh, if you if you say, "Hey, what does that you know what does that look like?" You look mm -hmm. at just the church today, generally speaking. You know, you look at what people are doing. What I use the term loosely, pastors are doing to get people into the church, and it is just an absolute carnival in a circus that's going on. And they're using worldly ways, and they're putting a, a coat of paint that looks biblical over it. Maybe using some biblical terms, some theological terms, but really the heart of it is we need to fill our seats. And we need to pay our bills and we need to make sure that we're making money to keep up a lifestyle, to look popular, whatever that, whatever that motive is. So the heart motive is we need butts and seats. And how are we going to do that then? So you're essentially working backwards. So instead of saying we're going to glorify God and we're going to do it God's way, you're saying, no, no, we're going to do, we need to find a way to get people in. And that's why you see like, you know, going all the way back to Spurgeon where he says the church is entertaining goats uh, instead of feeding the sheep. And that was on a very small scale level. Mm -hmm. And now you look at our current culture, not even that far removed, and it's on a massive scale. Uh, and so they have taken worldliness and they have brought it into the church willingly under the guise of Christianity because they'll say, no, we want as many people in to hear the gospel. They say, okay, well, why are you then preaching the gospel? Because if you were, <laughs> there wouldn't be that many people who were flocking there. Um, and I find it important, too. I like 1 Corinthians 7.31, and this was one that came up in uh, Jerry Bridges' book that we are reading. And I found it quite fascinating. And he says, And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for from uh, uh, for the form of this world is passing away. And there's actually a little play on words there. It's, it's pretty cool. But um, what he's talking about, now I don't say this often. In fact, I probably never said it, but the NIV does a really good job of rendering here. <laughs> uh, and so he says... Uh, in 731, they, they render this word, which we would say um, making use of it. 
is to be engrossed in it, which is part of the semantical range of this word. And it says, in one, it is one thing, this is what Jerry Bridges says, it is one thing to be engaged with the world, but the believer cannot afford to become entangled with the world. Mm. And so entangling in the world is exactly what we're talking about. We're seeing the world's system, the world's ways of doing things that are regulated to Scripture. And we're saying, look, they're doing a pretty good job uh, whether it be uh, you know the CEO model for a business, which works really well on Wall Street, but we don't adopt that in the mm. in the church, and we're saying that works well there, so we're going to take it back over here, and we've now entangled ourselves in those ways. Mm. Um, and so, for the Christian, we shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be trying to um, get as close to the line as possible, and that's unfortunately what so, we do. So, so what you're getting at, you use some examples from the church, and you talked about how the church, broadly speaking, can fall prey to this. But take it down to the personal level. Let's talk individually. This is a podcast that we want to help our people and we want to give resources to our people. So the, the same seductiveness that pastors fall prey to in bringing worldly methods into their church are the, 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 is the same seductiveness that we fall prey to when we start being captivated by the things of the world. That's right. So what happens is we, we start to let our guard down. We start to be enamored with the things of this world, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of light, we, life. We, we tend to start um, being attracted to those things and captivated by those things. And, and now instead of being vigilant and watchful in our Christian life, now we start to find some satisfaction in those things and, and money looks more important and possessions look more important and all the pleasures of the world and the way the world is satisfying their cravings for satisfaction, all of that starts mm -hmm. to become attractive to us. And so I think what oftentimes happens for believers is there's this slow, steady degeneration into worldliness. I don't think most of us wake up one day and think, I think I want to be worldly today. <laughs> Right? Yeah. We don't have that. But what happens over days and weeks and months and years and decades is there's this slow, subtle erosion in our hearts mm. where instead of falling headlong into worldliness, there's this subtle drift. Well, Georgia's day was called the downgrade. It's the downgrade <clears throat> controversy. So you're slowly just downgrading into this. Right. And I think that's what happens on an individual level. You know, we give up this passion for holiness. We give up this desire to, to walk with Christ, to honor Christ, to love Christ to really be vigilant in our walk with Him. And we just kind of slowly let the world creep into our life. And a lack of watchfulness will prevent us from staying holy and, and it will eventually lead to us succumbing into worldliness. I think that's a danger. I think that's what happened with Demas. You mentioned 2 Timothy mm -hmm. 4.10. I don't think he woke up one day and just thought, I, I really want to go become a pagan and live like the world. Right. I think there was a slow, steady erosion in his heart that led to that. And we can all fall prey to it. Well, if you take it back to what this whole pod or this whole section of our podcast was based around, it's Hebrews 12, which is all about keeping endurance in the faith. You know, right. looking back to to chapter 11 in this hall of faith of these these men who stood strong in the midst of all of these things. You know, we we need that command because we tend to drift if if we're not focusing on it. If you know our, our allegiance, we we tend to straddle the line. If we're just, you know, it's kind of like a car when you when you let it drift. No, you have to you have to correct it because it's going to want to straddle over that line of. You know, I want to be faithful to God, but man, these things of the world are looking pretty, pretty, pretty good. And you know, the what the world seems uh, deems as success and you know money or whatever it is, 
you know, those things seem pretty nice. Like it's nice to have a, a nice house and a nice car and a bank account that's overflowing and all of these things. So, so if we're not vigilant, if we're not, you know, uh, keeping ourselves within the lines here, it's really, really easy to drift. And I'm thinking of Solomon as you're talking, Matt. I'm thinking of this is exactly what happened to okay. Solomon. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy who started so well, right? Son of David, uh, godly man, wrote a book of Proverbs. I mean, we live by the Proverbs. We love the Proverbs. He was a wise, godly man. And what happened? Over the course of years and decades, his heart wasn't as watchful. So right. money became attractive. Women became attractive. Uh, drinking became attractive. All the things of the world suddenly became something that he found his heart captivated by. And so Ecclesiastes is the whole experiment, right? right. Mm -hmm. And what's his conclusion? After living that way and enjoying worldliness for however many years he lived in it, he comes back and he says, it was all a waste. All a waste. Mm -hmm. Fear God and keep these, his commandments. And so here, here's Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived apart from Christ, fell into this subtle trajectory away and his heart was captivated by this worldliness. Yeah, I think that's really good. And uh, I didn't want you to be the only one to read a quote, so I thought <laughs> I'd, I'd bring one as well. And this was uh, this is actually John Owen, and um, quoted here. It's in uh, The Grace and Duty of Being Spiritually Minded, that uh, John Owen. And he says, It is no ordinary nor easy thing to preserve our affections pure, entire, and steady in their vigorous adherence unto spiritual things. And he says, Watchfulness, prayer, faith in exercise... Not faith and exercise, but faith in exercise, and a daily examination of ourselves are required hereunto. And this is what I really like. For want of a due attendance unto these things, and with that respect unto this end, many, even before they are aware, die away as to all power and vigor of spiritual mm -hmm. life. And so when you are not watchful, when you're not prayerful, Matt, you said it, we drift. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would actually say we don't have a tendency to drift. We do drift because you you are either going forward in your Christian life, you are either dying to sin or you are allowing that thing to take you over. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is we get put into a world system and almost unknowingly sometimes we just adhere not really putting a lot of thought into And What Owen says here is we are, before we are aware, die away to all the vigor of a spiritual life. And it's like you get down the road, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you look back and you say, how did I get here? What was I doing? What were my motives? I don't understand. And it's because you weren't attentive at the beginning to what was going on in your heart. And so just like when you're you know, shooting a direction and you're one inch off and you go a thousand miles, you're going to be so far off that target, but you only started an inch off and you're going to be so far away, you're not even going to know where you are. This is why Romans 12, too, is so important. I hope is that where you're yeah. going? Do not be conformed yeah. to this world. Mm -hmm. In other words, that, that means that the world is trying to push us into its mold. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's active. The world's not passive on us. The world is actively, as a system, trying to force its morals, its values, its ungodly way of thinking. It's, it's pressing in on us. And if we do nothing... If we just coast and if we just go with the flow like a fish, dead fish running down the creek uh, with, the, with the current, you know what I mean? It's dead. It's floating <laughs> down. It's not going upstream. So sure. what happens? The world does that to That's us. Right. Yeah. It just presses us into that mold. 
And so that's why there has to be this active resistance. And that's why he adds on there, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah, and I love that there's two options. There's there's not yeah. a third camp that's right, right in between. No, it's and I, I like how you said that. You're either going forward in your walk with Christ or you're going toward the world. Mm. It's it's There's no in between. There's no, you know, I'm just stagnant. I'm not moving. It's you're going right. one or the other. Yeah, and I think that's people fall into that trap is thinking, well, I may not read my Bible every day. I may not be doing this, but at least I'm not this pagan, right? At least I'm not worshiping Satan or something like that. But the problem is they're taking steps in that direction because they're not going in the other direction. And like you said, it's just that that I, you know, that picture of a river. Like not anything floating down that river is just taken wherever that river wants it to go, whether it's against the rocks, get stuck at shore, or whatever that happens to be. So deal with the the uh, person who says, "Well, you're just being legalistic," because <laughs> that's oftentimes, and yeah. we haven't even gotten into some of the specific things, yeah. but oftentimes the thing that's leveled against this type of conversation is you're just being legalistic. So I can't do this. I can't do this. You're telling me what I should watch, what I shouldn't watch, what mm-hmm. music I should listen to. How is that missing the whole heart of the issue? Well, because you're going after the individual fruit that are on the tree rather than the root itself. Right. Because um, you can you can put band aids all over everything, but you know if you still got the bullet in you, you're <laughs> you're still in trouble. Right. So we're saying we can tackle all these things individually, uh, but but ultimately that's not going to solve anything. We want to get down to the heart level because that's what's going to have the lasting lasting growth, lasting uh, improvement uh, um, in the in the life of a believer as they're seeking to pursue the Lord. Yeah, I think that's really important, and, and I would only add that uh, because our actions always come from our heart, that we need to ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing? I think too many times we just do things because either A, it's always been done that way, or B, somebody just told us to do it. And I'm not talking about like when a police officer tells you to pull over, you don't have to pray about that, just pull over. Uh, but like when you're, you know, when we're going about life, like how much, how much thought are we putting into the things that are coming into our mind? I'm not saying don't watch that movie. But what I'm saying is, why are you watching that movie? You know, I, I remember even before I was married, I remember a pastor that said, "Are you taking pleasure in the sins that Christ died for?" Mm-hmm. And so, if I'm taking pleasure in the sin, if I'm bringing those things into my heart, but yet I'm saying, "Yeah, I know Christ died for all these." But I'm gonna I'm gonna be entertained by those sins anyway. That's when I have to say what's going on in my own heart. Why do I treasure this sin to watch more than I treasure want a desire to be holy and killing sin? And I would say the other reason people do it, they would say it's legalistic because it's easy. Yeah, it's easy to make a list. It's easy to justify your list because you don't have to deal with your heart. And when you start dealing with your heart, it really hurts because our hearts are deceitful. I read somewhere. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think that's good. And then uh, you know, lastly, as we're as we're wrapping this up, um, you know, I just picked out three things that uh, that we could uh, just say, hey, here's some areas we tend to fall into: money, immorality, and idolatry. And you know, just briefly in the last minute or so, you know, we see we see money, and you know, churches often talk about money, and you know, the the root of evil, and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, so we always talk about money, but. Um, what we're doing with our money, and, and I don't know if it was you or somebody else, you know, you say, give me somebody's checkbook and we can see where their heart is. If, I don't even know if people know what a checkbook is as they're watching this anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you're saying that's the thing that's driving me. And that's true, but I would also add, like, you know, what are you doing at your job? Like, are you striving to make more money at that? Um, what are you doing with the finances that you have? So if you guys could just briefly talk about that, how does that tie into worldliness when we look at how we manage our funds? 
Yeah, I think when you look really at any example that you give, you know, what's what's the foundation that's driving everything? You know, as far as, I mean, you can talk about money, you can be talking about decisions that you make, you can be talking about how you spend your time, what are you building that on? What's the foundation that you're building that on? Is that the, the, the motives, the goals, the desires that we find in the world or you know, because we want to honor Christ in all that we do, because, you know, we want to support our family because we're called to in Scripture. Um, you know, what's the, the basis that you're building all of these things on? Um, because, you're, I mean, it's going to drive, uh, you, like you could give any example and it's going to come back to the same thing. Um, but yeah, you know, particularly in money, you know, are we storing up treasures on earth? Is that is that where our security is found? Or is it found in uh, God who supplies all of our needs more than we could ever think or ask, uh, and are we seeking the things above ultimately? Um, but yeah, it's all just, what, what are we building on? Yeah, just to add, you mentioned it, that First Timothy mm-hmm. 6 says, the love of money is the root of all evil. So money's not bad. It's an inanimate object, actually. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> moral or immoral about money itself. Right. It's the love of money. It's the, the craving, the, the desire, the, the captivation that comes when we get intrigued by money. And so that's the worldliness. It's not the, again, it's not legalistic. We're not saying have this much money or not this much right. money. The issue is what's your heart craving? That's right. What does your heart want? Mm-hmm. Even you could add possessions in the same category. What, what's driving this love for things and stuff and, and more, more possessions? Well, oftentimes it is just this craving for the things of this world. We bought into the way the world thinks and the world says you need to have more. You're not satisfied until you have more. And so that, that's the danger of this. And so it's guarding the heart. It's, it's a form of idolatry that we all let into our heart when we start craving these things. Yeah, that's good. And I like Proverbs 27, 20, Sheol and Abaddon are like hell are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. So whether you're lusting after women, whether you're lusting after money, whether you're lusting after, you know, you drive through that neighborhood you've always wanted to live in or the car dealership, the, the car you've always wanted to have or whatever that is. And your eyes are never going to be satisfied because the crazy thing is, and Solomon talks about this in Ecclesiastes, the thing that you get once, or thing that you want, once you finally get it, guess what? You want the next thing, and then you want the next thing. And so, if you can't right. find contentment in what you have, you're going to buy into that worldly system. Exactly. That uh, the next thing is always better than the thing you have, and you have to have that that next thing. And that's what right. we need to be careful of. So. Exactly. Well, guys, I hope that this was uh, helpful for you. Looking at worldliness um, once again. If you have any questions, feel free to email Matt. He'd be more than happy to help you out. Uh, Or if you have any other things you'd like us to discuss, love to hear from you guys. Otherwise, hope you have a great rest of the day.